Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. I am Jordan Maywood, the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today is a book Wednesday in which we will discuss not one, not three, but two books. So that's exciting. That is two, if you're counting, that is two book Wednesdays in a row in which I've done two books. So you are living in a land of plenty, my friends. I should uh, get out right off the bat, as I think I may have forgotten. Did I forget on Tuesday? I think I might have forgot on yesterday's TV Tuesday episode. Oops. Uh, that there will be spoilers. So, you have been warned. This is your one and only warning, most likely. Today's sponsor is No Shit Sherlock Waste Removal and Septic Systems. Once again, today's sponsor is No Shit Sherlock Waste Removal and Septic Systems. Book the first. Let's hop right in. Um, because I don't know how long books will take. Sometimes they take longer than others to do on the old podcast here. So let's find out. <laughs> Exciting. <sighs> Tired. <sighs> hmm. Let's see if I can get a book-related tired reference. Um, Movie Mondays, I'll do Dog Tire Boss. Um, let's just go, I'm uh, Sleeping Beauty. Yep, nice easy one there. Because, of course, I am beautiful and I'm tired, so it makes sense. <coughs> okay, the first book is uh, one called Tick Tock. Tick Tock by Mr. Dean Koontz. I am not sure if we brought back a Dean Koontz book before. I uh, quite often refer to him as the poor man Stephen King. That being said, uh, I'm a big fan of his, so <laughs> he writes he writes a good uh, a good book, and I've enjoyed many of them over the years. Since he is um, such a prolific writer. Uh, you have a wide, wide selection of his books available to you, that is for sure. Also, I... Uh, not so... not as much now as in the past. My sort of main source for books were library book sales. And I can tell you, when you go to a library book sale, there will be a shit ton of Dean Koontz books available for you. So, that's another reason. They're cheap, there's lots of them, and they're, uh, they're good. So, there you go. My Dean Koontz explanation. Tick-tock. Uh, was a little different from other, uh, Dean Koontz books that I have read in the past. He, in this one, and, uh, if you read the either foreword or afterward, I can't remember which, he, uh, even talks about how he wanted to write something uh, a little more, uh, I guess you could say, light than what he normally does. Something with a bit of a sense of humor to it. So, as you can imagine, 
if you know me or do not know me and have listened to any of these podcasts, I am on the sort of constant search for shits and giggles. So uh, I like this one very much. The protagonist is Mr. Tommy Fan, a uh, Korean? Is he Korean? Shit. Vietnamese? Oh, man, I can't remember. (laughs) Either Korean or Vietnamese-American. Second generation? Or is it first generation? His parents... Or, no, no, wait. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. How do you figure out the generations? His parents were born in... Shit, no. I believe it was Vietnam. Was it Vietnam? Yeah, yeah. Um... We're born in Vietnam. He, oh yeah, you know what? He was not born. He was also born in Vietnam, but left when he was six. So would that make him first generation? And his parents zero generation? I don't know how that works. Anyways, because uh, as opposed to, say, his parents definitely and his older siblings had sort of grabbed hold of that I guess you could say American dream and American lifestyle and American culture and sort of had where his parents and siblings had not left behind the sort of Vietnamese culture, um, which was upsetting, obviously, to his uh, mum in particular. The book starts with him buying a race car sort of boyhood dream of um, making enough money one day to uh, afford a sports car. So one one of his main takeaways from American culture is the um, commercialism and, and that need to gain wealth. <laughs> so that's kind of an interesting thought there. Uh, he gets home in his new Corvettes, um, He's got sort of a eerie feeling about him. The uh, the radio in the car plays uh, for him sort of a whispery, scary sounds. Just boil it down to that. His radio makes scary sounds. Ooh. He gets uh, he gets home. He gets inside. He starts to relax a little bit. Kind of brushes off the scary sounds thought it was just something he ate, sort of an Ebenezer Scrooge excuse, and um, then the doorbell rings. He goes to the doorbell, and there's this sort of cloth doll sitting there. Uh, The way I pictured it was kind of voodoo doll-esque, so uh, of course he brings it inside. Idiot. Um, And it turns out that the doll is alive. More accurately, there is sort of something inside the doll that is uh, is living. All right, folks, that is a good spot to uh, stop. You've been sort of teased there with a evil, or is it evil live voodoo-y kind of doll? Because I got to stop and get myself um, some coffee, maybe a little brekkie, as I like to do once a week. Uh, so I will edit that out. However, I should point out, you don't know what I'm editing out. Maybe I'm stopping um, to 
play in this uh, Street Fighter 4 video game tournament that is going on at the side of this road. You don't know. You just don't know. You'll have to trust me. You'll have to trust me. On the road again. That's a road again. Mission accomplished. Let's hop back in because I really want to get this one book done on the way to work. So you got this guy, Tommy Fan, inside his house with this doll that has come alive. And I'll tell you right now, it's up to no good. Uh, it is loose in his office in which he does his writing. Did I say that he was a writer? A writer of um, like crime novels? Uh, well, there, I just did say it. So yes, answered my own question. And uh, he's up to no good, this doll. It kind of, to me, the way it is described in the book, sounds like a gremlin from the movie Gremlins, sort of. So picture that, uh, a little smaller, because it's uh, in the size of, like, the handheld doll. At first, I kind of thought, at this point in the book, um, I had almost the feeling that, I was incorrect though, that the whole book was going to be sort of this doll inside this house, uh, and Tommy Fan kind of, this doll monster thing, uh, and Tommy Fan kind of, uh, his trials and tribulations just tracking it down throughout his house and trying to kill it. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, the reason I kind of thought that is just he went into so much detail about trying to track down the, the doll in his office, which uh, was some really cool sequences there. Uh, when you know shit is sort of odd, odd and sort of demon-y, and not just some animal, is when the, the uh, doll monster kind of burrows into his couch and pulls out one of the springs of the couch and then inserts the spring into a wall socket in order to get the lights out, because obviously being sort of one of these demon folk, it likes the darkness. So that's when you know it's not just some mindless monster, so that kind of freaks Tommy out, obviously. Uh, there's a point in this sort of section in which Tommy has a gun and ends up shooting this little guy, uh, that's when the scariness tension is mounted even further, because it does not kill it. He's got a, uh, as described, a fairly large gun that would, in a human, blow friggin' your arm off if you got shot in the arm, but with this guy, this doll demon, um, barely phases him, so that sucks. Tony makes his way to the his new car and hightails it out of there, as you do, but the thing has hitched a ride and is underneath and sort of pulls his brakes, so he crashes and he's, he's pretty okay, but then the car erupts in flames, and this is where shit gets even worse, because Evil Doll Thing is engulfed in flames, and you're thinking, yeah, okay, well that's good. However, he likes it. <laughs> he likes being engulfed in flames. Not um, not only does he enjoy it, but it causes him to grow. So uh, a little gremlin-y there as well, in that he uh, is a gremlin in the car pulling shit apart, and then gremlin in that if you're a gremlin from the movie Gremlins and you get wet, you, let's say, grow. That's not accurate, obviously. But uh, in here, it's fire that makes him grow. Actually grow. He gets to be sort of... Um, I think still at this point, he's like the size of a, of a monkey, say. He does 
sort of end uh, being the size of a human and can even kind of take the form of a human. He needs to be covered up, but uh, he gets around town as a human. Uh, once emerged from this fire, uh, Tommy takes off again and is picked up by a woman by the name of Deliverance Payne, who, through the rest of the book, is your stalwart companion. Um, companion at first, and then eventually a lover. <laughs> Need a little romantic interest there for sure. Um, I should say that um, this, you end up calling her Del rather than Deliverance Pain through the whole book. Um, she reminds me, her and her family, because they get involved, remind me very, very much of the cheerleader girl from the video game Lollipop Chainsaw. If you listened to me review that uh, last week or the week before, it's almost like they pulled the family from Lollipop Chainsaw the sort of demon-hunting family, uh, zombie-killing family, and pulled it from that video game and put it into this book, which is where sort of the sense of humor comes in. Um, almost the, the same kind of sense of humor that's in Lollipop Chainsaw, so I like that. Um, I'm at work, so <laughs> let's see what I could do here. Let's just end it then. <laughs> Fuck it. They get married and live happily ever after. Okay, that's it. That's all I'm gonna do. Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Yay! Sometimes there's a turn I have to make on a, a somewhat busy highway coming home uh, from work. That can take five minutes. Now, you say five minutes. That's not a long time, right? But when you're sitting, waiting to make a turn, and it takes five minutes just because the line of cars is from here to the horizon, uh, it's frustrating. Today, I literally... There's a stop sign, and uh, I will say this. I didn't even stop at all. Allegedly. Haha. <laughs> there, now the cops can't do anything. <laughs> Evil. Criminal mastermind. Okay, so we rushed through TikTok by Mr. Dean Koontz. Uh, rushed to the point where I can't remember if I gave rating and um, I'm torn between three and four. We'll go four. I'm feeling generous. That turn made me generous. I'll tell you what, if I had had to wait uh, five-ish minutes for that turn, I would have given the book a three, but I'm in a good mood, so it gets a four. Let's move on to the second book. This is a book I have read before. Have we done that yet? On the podcast? I don't remember. It is called The Gunslinger by Mr. Stephen King. Book one of the Dark Tower series. Ooh. Uh, I have read the series once before uh, quite a few years ago. They, they, meaning Stephen King, just came out with a new book in the series. I believe it is the last book of the series, I think. Should have maybe looked into that. However, uh, I decided to start from the beginning and read the series again because I remember loving it so much at the time. 
I think it was during one of those times where life was kind of bleh. So uh, this kind of picked me up and let me escape to a different world. And boy howdy, is it a different world in the Dark Tower series. I guess I don't want to get too, too much into the series as a whole for the reasons that, A, I can't really remember it because it's been so long, and B, why don't we just, as I go along, we'll go along uh, with the podcast. Uh, I'll just let you know I'm a hundred and change pages into the second book, Drawing of the Three, so I figured we'd get this one out of the way. So we have uh, room for the new ones as they come in. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds like a plan. I love a plan. <laughs> so the protagonist of the Dark Tower series, and the first book in particular, is a man by the name of Roland. Roland didn't write down his last name. What is it? Deshane or something like that? Uh, very, very infrequently comes up, if I do recall. He is uh, what they call a gunslinger. Sort of, sort of, yeah, I should probably underline sort of, your quintessential western gunslinger guy, dude. The difference being, he lives on a world, an earth, I think you could say an earth, um, that has, as he describes it, and is described, has moved on. So it's a uh, picture our earth in its sort of declining years, uh, I think is a good way to look at it. Picture where we are now in, I don't know how many thousands of years, where humanity has sort of just declined, become stagnant. The world as a whole is definitely in the first book very prevalent that it's dry, dusty. A large chunk of Roland's journey in the first book is traveling through a desert, Sounds like uh, there's not as many people living uh, on this earth, and not as much, definitely not as much technology. He has guns, but they are very, very old, just well taken care of guns. There's no um, sort of, no, or perhaps more accurately, very little in the way of technology as far as like things electric, no motor cars, not a single luxury. <laughs> That's a reference to the Beverly Hillbillies, if I do recall. Maybe Roland's got a little uh, Jed Clampett in him. Oh, there's a, there's a good pull, good name pull. Uh, so it starts off with Roland sort of in pursuit of uh, the man in black. Oh, quite often in stories, the man in black, the Black Knight, uh, Darth Vader, yada yada, are bad, bad men. And... Does the same hold true with this? Um, yes. I think so. I'd have to clarify that I think so. So he's uh, he's chasing them across this desertous uh, area for weeks and weeks. I got the feeling, and for some reason I think I may have read this from Stephen King, that this whole either first book or first section of this book uh, sort of started with him as just a short story. And for Stephen King to do a book that is a hundred and change pages, which this is, is unusual. He's usually in the four, five, six, seven hundred page range. So, uh, 
I kind of thought I remembered hearing that and almost kind of got that impression. Definitely for the first chunk of this book, if not the whole book as a whole. Well, not as a whole, because towards the end you could see that he was sort of going places other than what took place in this book. Uh, Roland comes across a town by the name of Tull, which uh, he believes that the man in black has sort of, I guess you could go say put in his way in order to trap him, to uh, have him stop his pursuit. Um, Shit goes down in this town, definite, huge in the way of Old West vibes. You learn that on this earth there is something called uh, devil weed or devil grass that people um, become addicted to first I think through smoking and then eating and once you get to the eating stage you're pretty much a dead man there is in this town a church where a a super crazy religious fat (laughs) girl priestess kind of turns the town against uh, Roland which is why he believes, or that's what he finally ends up thinking the sort of test put in his way was by the the man in dark. He ends up, this is a bit of a spoiler, I guess, he uh, massacres the entire town. (laughs) So not exactly, uh, as far as protagonists go, um, totally, I guess if we're going to maybe throw it into... Dungeons and Dragons talk. Totally not uh, 100% lawful good. Uh, More of a chaotic good? Or good neutral? (laughs) Somewhere in there. In that that, uh, alignment measuring tool. If you have any idea what I'm talking about. Which you may. If if you are listening to a podcast in which a dude talks about a fantasy series, you may know your Dungeons and Dragons shit. So, that might make sense to you. If not, uh, don't worry about it. You're fine. You'll be alright. So, uh, Massacres, the whole town, sets off again, pursuing the man in black through this deserted, desertous region, and meets up with a kid. A kid by the name of Jake. A kid who, uh, we learn, is from our Earth. Our time. Huh? Huh? This is where uh, this book sort of, for me, gets super awesome in that I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before on a book on Wednesday. I think I may have. That fantasy novels, for me, are quite often um, the best. Eh, Yeah. Or very, very good when there is some sort of connection to this world. Either someone in this world kind of getting transported to a fantasy realm. Um, That's usually the most common and I think the best. Whenever that happens, uh, I like it more than just here. Here's a new world. uh, And it... I don't know. I don't know why that is, but it seems to appeal to me more. The, uh, The Dark Tower series as a whole... There is a huge, 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 cannot stress how huge amount of interconnectedness between uh, our world, this world that I am speaking in right now, in which Stephen King has written these books, 
and this uh, this world in which Roland inhabits that is sort of fantasy meets uh, kind of sci-fi-y kind of uh, far, far, far post-apocalyptic a little bit. Uh, really, really awesome. I am going to take a short break here because I have to stop, uh, which I very, very rarely, if ever, probably if I had to put a percent on how often I stop places on my drive home, I'd go 1% of the time. But I have to stop and get a gift card for somebody, so you gotta do what you gotta do. Back in a moment, I will editing, editing, edit it out. Hopefully they're open. Editing, editing, editing. Alright, apparently I forgot to turn the recording off, so... (laughs) Oops. We'll see how that came out. Alright, so where was I? The awesomeness that is the gunslinger. So meets up with this boy who is from our world by the name of Jake, and then they together head off again, once again, in pursuit of the man in dark. Ooh. They uh, cross a desert, they climb a mountain, shit happens along the way. Uh, they make their way after the mountain to a sort of forested area in which they come across. How did I describe it? Ah, where they come across. A, uh, what I like to describe as a an air succubus oracle. I think air succubus oracle may be the title of this episode because uh, I like the title to be a little crazy and that sounds crazy and it happened in the goddamn book. If you are unfamiliar with a succubus, again that's kind of going back to the D&D a little bit. Uh, it's kind of a she-demon uh, who usually has wings uh, and usually is trying to have sex with you, have not you, have sex with people, usually men, but not always, uh, just a sort of very sexual she-demon. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they came across one of those, and I, I throw an air there because she was invisible, Um, And it wasn't so much that she was just invisible, it was as if she was kind of made of air. So you could feel her. You could feel her, but it was kind of like feeling not something hard, or like skin, but feeling air. Uh, And then Oracle, because, uh, and this is something I think was uh, smart of Stephen King to do, because she sort of threw out some prophecies uh, at Roland here to... uh, of things to come. So it was kind of nice, a little foreshadowing. Although not very shadowy. Nah, a little shadowy. So, there you go. He, I will say, from the sounds of it, although it didn't go into detail, did sound like he did uh, have sex with her. So, that's uh, that's in there. <laughs> if, you, if you like your air succubus oracle sex scenes, then there you go. You're right on board with this book. Okay, so uh, one of the things this oracle and eventually the Man of Black confirm is that Roland will be joined on his quest for the Dark Tower by three others. Ooh. 
which uh, I did mention, Drawing of the Three is the name of book two that I'm reading right now. So, there you go. Uh, Roland and the boy Jake make their way to a tunnel going under a mountain. The tunnel is a turns out to be a train tunnel. Uh, they make their way through somewhat easily at first. They find eventually one of those uh, carts that you stand on, and one guy will push the lever down, and then the other guy, and it'll go up and down, up and down, and it'll carry you along the track. Don't know what those are called. Cart things? Pushy? Pushy train cart up and downer things? Uh, so they chug along on that for a while, and then, uh, something that was cool that they threw in here, they come across a band of glowing radioactive mutant folk, <laughs> which is never good. I can confirm that every time I've ever read, seen, heard of anything, uh, radioactive, glowing, um, mutated humanoid folk, they're not going to be good. They are not happy campers. They're not going to take you to their leader and adorn you with beautiful treasures and give you blowjobs. No, they are there to peel the flesh from your bones, as these ones were. The description of them reminded me, as it obviously would, of my favorite, favorite video game uh, series, Fallout. It, Fallout 3 and New Vegas in particular, where they have uh, ghouls, feral ghouls, that some of them will be so radioactive that they glow green and they tear the flesh from your bones. So, you can see the connection. Can you not? You can. Rhetorical question answered by myself. Uh, spoiler, spoiler, should I throw this spoiler? I will. Jake making his way through this train tunnel passage dies. As dying, he, his last and final words are, there are more worlds than this. So another sort of very prophetic utterance uh, thrown at Roland. Roland then meets up with the man in black. Finally, it's a little anticlimactic, just because you probably think, going through this whole scenario, that he would meet him and there'd be a big showdown of, of fighting. However, they don't fight. They sit down and talk. Not only do they talk, but they talk for ten years. The reason you know this is because, the first of all, the man in black says, we will talk as long as it takes. And then, once the talk is complete... Roland sort of wakes up from his uh, stupor of this talk, and he has aged ten years, and all the things that were sort of sitting around him, like the campfire or uh, what have yous, uh, has also sort of decayed worth ten years. I don't know how he knows that. I guess you would know if you looked at yourself if you were ten years older. Uh, and that's where it ends. That's where it ends. That's where... Uh, this podcast ends, coincidentally. Sometimes uh, it just works out that way. That's how I aim for it to work out, and that's how it worked out. So, I like it. <laughs> Folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Libro Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us you can do so via the email address, 
mail.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.